0: so if it doesn't work it's my fault but is it good yeah don't mess with me <laughs> Uh, Thank you, by the way, if you were here at the beginning of the service, thanks for the birthday card, those of you who signed it. uh, And if you weren't here at the beginning of the service, some of you sneaky people have this enormous birthday card, apparently, that you all signed. And if you didn't sign it, I think it's going to be in the lobby afterwards. I really would ask all of you to sign it, because things like that I do keep. I have a basket on my desk that I keep cards that you send me, and I read through (laughs) So I'm going to need a new basket now, apparently, but... uh, (laughs) I'll I'll find a place for it, and I will think of you often, so thank you for that. You've asked how old I am. I really thought I'd feel worse being 100 years old, so, yeah, or the other side of it. You know, I don't know who says ministry's hard. I'm 25, and I feel great. (laughs) 54, so, and I'll tell you my pin number, too, if you want that also. So... (laughs) Years and years and years ago, back in the last, in the 1800s when I was in college, I was at church one afternoon just playing guitar. I just started to play. And so the way I learned was just to listen to the songs on the radio, classic rock. I would try to imitate those guitarists. So uh, I was at church one afternoon just playing the guitar. I don't know exactly what I was playing. It was probably Ario Speedwagon or Journey or Scorpions or Def Leppard or something that you probably shouldn't be playing at church. But that's how I learned to play guitar. And I was just playing when one of our older members walked in and she i'm in college to me she was really old she was in her early 30s and she, i'm playing something and she goes wow didn't expect to hear that in church and went oh and then she got this look on her face and uh, so i thought you know what i probably shouldn't be playing crazy train at church so and i said so and she goes you know no it's fine it, it just it really takes me back and, and I got to thinking about that yeah because the music that I was playing didn't mean anything more to me than this is the songs that were on the radio when I was a teenager and I was with my friends and we were just drinking New York seltzers and she was drinking at the same time with her friends Bartles and James so we had different experiences I'm looking around I think I have to explain that to some of you who are Zen, Gen Z from Gen X so me and my friends were drinking LaCroix and, and she was drinking White Claws and uh, PBR's and I don't have to explain that one right so what she was saying was the music that you're playing right now takes me back to a time when I was in rebellion against God it was a soundtrack to my disobedience and I apologized to her and she, and she said no no it's fine keep playing you sound good she lied but what she was saying was look what I'm really thinking about is wow just how much my life has changed since I started going to church and I got baptized and became a Christian and I thought that's really cool and it's stuck with me all these years that for a lot of people There is truly a before and after In their lives There's the before I met God There's before I knew Jesus And then there was like a turning point in my life And then everything after that was different yep. And I don't know if some of you have a before and after story I've been privileged to hear some of it from you guys Some of you I've actually had a front row seat to see it Maybe for you 'd go, you know, if I'm really being honest, I have a before, after, before, after, before, after. I just kind of lather, rinse, repeat through my life, which is really, honestly, the human experience in a nutshell. So don't, this is what God signed up for when he committed to saving us, and he's okay with that. He knew all the dumb things you and I would do before he agreed to save us, and he said it's okay anyway. But in this series, The Life Edit, what I want us to just do is say how is it exactly that God gets to work in a person's life to create a before and after? What are the things that he helps you edit out of your life? It's not like he changes the details of the past and just whitewashes it. He forgives it. He restores you from it. He helps you make recompense if you need to. But I want you to know if you're still on the kind of the before side of your story arc that there can be another part to it that is so much better than the first part. And you'll find so much more joy and satisfaction. You'll find that God can help you deal with some things you never could deal with on your own. What we're going to do for the next few weeks Is we're going to just take a chunk of Ephesians Out of the Bible And if you want to start finding that If you've got a paper version of the Bible It's about two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through Table of contents is always fair to use If you've got a smartphone with the Bible app If you look at the QR code that will be up on the screen there If you look at it with your camera It should pull the Bible app open Uh, Ephesians is in the Bible because it was a letter written from a Christian church planter and apostle and leader named Paul to a church in Ephesus which is now in Turkey huge metropolitan city a lot of good solid Christians there a lot of people who were other religions as well and he wrote this letter to them just talking about faith and encouraging them and it's in the Bible now now it's interesting we talk about before and after story Paul had a, a before and after story himself he grew up Jewish He believed in God, the God of the Bible, the God of the Old Testament. He grew up observing the Ten Commandments, but he didn't have any time for Jesus. In fact, he made it, in in his earlier life, his personal mission to stamp out anybody who followed Jesus. He went anywhere to arrest people who were Christians. He put them in jail. He was responsible for some people dying as Christians. And so you just say, well, how in the world does somebody who used to hunt down and kill Christians become one? incredible story. It's for another message. You can read it for yourself if you want to go into Acts in the Bible and read it. But just understand what a, an incredible life transformation that guy had. He thought he was doing God a favor by stamping out Christians and then he had a literal come to Jesus meeting and completely changed the direction of his life and his after was so much different as I said he was a church planter went all across Asia Minor and Europe planting churches you and I are here today in this church now because of the work that he started 2,000 years ago literally you can follow the chain that gets us there so what when when he talks about what God can do in a person's life he's not just talking about something he's seen in other people's lives he's experienced it himself so we're going to just dive in for the next few weeks I think you're going to find this helpful. I hope you'll be here for all of it. And if you're joining in online, just keep coming, and uh, we'll, we'll see what God has to show us. So I'm going to start down in the middle of Paul's thinking. This is down in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. So it says here, With the Lord's authority, with the authority of Jesus, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they're hopelessly confused their minds are full of darkness they wander far from the life that God gives because they've closed their minds and they've hardened their hearts against him they have no sense of shame they live for lustful pleasures and they eagerly practice every kind of impurity we'll just stop there for a second and just understand what he's saying here Uh, Paul says if you want to have a really good life if you want God to help you change and he's talking to Christians who've already seen the pivot point in their life he says what you need to do is no longer live as the Gentiles do Which you might be thinking, okay, that's great, but I don't know what a Gentile is, so how am I supposed to not do that? Well, if you want to become a good person, you you just need to understand what he's thinking here. In Paul's day, you could divide the entire world literally into two groups. There were Jewish people like Paul, and there were Gentiles who believed. And so we're, we're really talking more religiously than biologically or ethnically here. But a Jewish person grew up with the Old Testament of the Bible. They grew up with the Ten Commandments. Uh, But then the rest of the world, they grew up going to the pagan temple, worshiping the things that we call Greek mythology and Greek gods and Roman gods. That was just their religion. They went to a temple and bowed down to an idol, a statue. They reached out to Zeus. They thought Apollos was a real thing. They were asking for divine help from all these deities. In fact, in the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago, even the Roman emperors themselves started declaring themselves to be gods, little g-gods. So they would say, you have to appeal to us and worship us as a god to ask for divine help. And so these people, Paul says the Gentiles, at least the Jewish people, they don't know Jesus by and large, but at least they know the one true God, but the Gentiles are just hopelessly confused. It's like using a toaster that's not plugged in. When they pray to these gods at the temples They just don't exist And if anything supernatural does happen It's satanic, there's probably demonic activity behind it So you don't want to be like the people Who don't know God And did you notice he says Don't think like the Gentiles anymore I think That's where a lot of them came from Before they met Jesus And so he says if you want to have a good life And be a good person you got to stop thinking like they do And some of you And so even like you go Well then I'm, I'm not Jewish so I'm a Gentile Again we're not talking about ethnicity here we're talking in terms of the way you think about God. And there may have been a time in your life you thought a certain way, but it's time to think differently. And Paul describes them as being hopelessly confused. It's, and he says, here's why. They're just in the dark. You've probably wandered through your house at night and you don't want to turn on the lights because you don't want to wake your family up and you find out that somebody moved some furniture and you're like, where am I? And how do I find my way out of here? They're hopelessly confused like that. They can't connect the dots as to why their life is so hard because they don't have anything from real. They don't have real truth guiding them. And he says that they're um, just wandering through life disconnected from God and the truth. There's, as a result, no sense of shame for uh, the average Gentile. And if you were to go back and read things about what were happening in the Roman Empire, if you think things are bad today, this is nothing. It was awful 2,000 years ago. We've had 2,000 years of Christian influence and Christian thinking. And even people who don't embrace Christianity will recognize there's a lot of good benefits that come from this whole love one another thing. So there was a lot of shameful, uh, calloused way of living where people didn't really value life back then. And this is, says, you know what? People were hurting themselves and they were hurting other people just because they didn't know any better. And one of the things that you discover when you scuba dive, and do, any of you scuba dive? I've always thought it looked really cool. I like snorkeling. I'd like to try it sometime. Maybe go to the resort and try that um, sometime. One of the things I'm told that you have to worry about is the effect of the, the gases in your system, especially as you go down to the deeper levels and the pressure starts building up. Because, you know, there's, air has other things than oxygen that we don't really need. They're inert gases and they don't really bother us here, but as the pressures increase, things like nitrogen affect your system differently. So I think the term they call it gas narcosis or nitrogen narcosis, or I've heard it called the martini effect, and you guys who actually know what you're talking about could correct me if, later if I'm wrong about this, but the thought is, as you go to deeper levels, if you're not paying attention and aware of the narcosis or the gas effect that your judgment becomes impaired as these gases get to work on your system, but you don't know it. They call it the martini effect because you're happy, you're drunk, you're fine, but you don't realize you're actually swimming deeper even though you should be surfacing. You don't realize you've taken your respirator out or your breathing apparatus out. You'll leave your diving partner and put yourself and maybe other people in great danger, and people actually die from this because they're just not thinking clearly anymore. And that's exactly what Paul's talking about in, in more of a spiritual way But you can actually see it in your life Real life things Maybe you've gone like Done something And later gone Why did I do that? And there were probably even people around you Going why did you do We tried to tell you And you just weren't thinking clearly Because you, you were kind of in the dark About some things Let's just be honest and say what it is This is a safe place to admit it And so you think about If I've done this Or if I can see it when my friends do it Why is this? Here's what's happening If you're not going to God for input and wisdom, the one who created us and knows how everything works and knows what's best for your life, what are you listening to? I used to say this when I was a student minister to the teenagers, like, why do you listen to your friends? Why do you do peer pressure? They're, they're just as dumb as you are. They don't know anything you don't know. Why would you do what your friends tell you to do? But that's what we all do through life. We look to the people around us. That's why Paul just said, with the Lord's authority, that you don't want to live as the Gentiles do. There's another way of translating that word live, and it's walk. You don't want to walk the way the other people around you do. They don't know where they're going. They may be really confident, but they're confidently going the wrong way. They're not looking for God for advice. So there's just, so what do we end up following? And I am, please hear me. If you're watching online, please hear me. I'm not throwing rocks at our culture, but our culture is kind of messed up in some ways. Because we say things like, and we were told in my parents' generation more than me, but, you know, if it feels good, do it really always is that just a rule of life that you always want to follow Uh, just follow your heart follow your dreams just do whatever you think is right and currently we say things like you do you which is there's a glimpse of truth there and again I'm not trying to poke the bear here but do we really want to trust what's in our own hearts only and say that no one else can tell me what I need to do better than I can tell me what to do really you don't think that God might have some thoughts about that and when he disagrees with you who's right I, I just think about this: How is it possible in 2022, with everything we know about drugs by now, that we still have what was it? I just saw a 60% increase in drug usage among middle schoolers. Middle schoolers, and 60% of high schoolers who've already abused alcohol. 50% have misused drugs at least once. Let's not even get into the the ever-growing number of people who are overdosing on fentanyl and other things out there. But like, we know better, and. Again, I'm not poking the bear here. If this is part of your story, it's okay. But why is it that we do things that we maybe even have a sense aren't good for us? Many times it's because we've put ourselves completely in the driver's seat, and we say, I think I know what's best for me. I let my feelings rule the day. I'm going to do it, and I think it's going to just work out somehow because it, I'm following my dreams, and Disney told me this is how I should, this is not a knock against Disney. I shouldn't even have said Disney because they're in the news now, but I was just thinking of all the, the things I've watched as a, with my kids growing up, and there's an element of truth there, but you need some other input and advice, and Paul says, you know, if you want to have a before and after, if you want to have a life edit. You need to start including what God thinks. In fact, he says this in verse 20. He said, You know, you, with the Lord's authority, I li- live no longer as the Gentiles, and they're, they're confused, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. This is the point where everything changes. This is where before becomes after, this is where imprisonment becomes freedom. This is where muddy thinking becomes clarity and you for the first time in your life start to see things in a way that you never did before and you start to have some aha moments and you start to realize, oh, is that what was going on? It's like someone, you've been in a party all night and someone flipped on the switch the next morning and you went, holy cow, is that where I was laying all night? Is that what I was doing all night? It's just that moment where in the, when you meet Jesus, it's a hard thing sometimes because you have to come to terms with some things that have been hurting you and other people for a long time and God will help you get through it, but there's a very painful thing to go so, I thought my whole life I was doing the right thing But I don't know that I was I thought my whole life I was following something that Would make me happy And it just hasn't And it's a very humbling thing to say, I think I need to do something different. In fact, you start to wake up, though, whenever you start turning to Jesus. A little bit earlier in Ephesians, if you want to just flip over, in my Bible, it's just like one page back. I don't know how it'll be in yours. And if you're in the Bible app, you can actually swipe to get back to the previous chapter. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Paul said, here's what it was before you became a Christian. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world, he's actually the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And he says in verse 3, that's all, how all of us used to live that way, so there's, you know, don't beat yourself up too much, but go down to verse 4. This is where God enters the picture. God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When he raised Christ Jesus from the dead And it's only by God's grace That you've been saved This is where things get different This is where God gives you a future He does something in your heart That you could never do for yourself Spiritual death eventually leads to physical death And you go, well Brian People still physically die Even though they become a Christian Yeah, but your eternal life Starts the moment you say yes to Jesus And you will be given a new body that's, the, that's what we were talking about last week that, That's not just pretty things you put on a wall This is a reality that is coming Everyone will be resurrected from the dead God first makes you spiritually alive And eventually you will be alive in a physical Eternal body that will never corrupt or decay Or die again And so it's such a great thing I have a privilege to just invite you to do this If you haven't done it before I have a privilege to remind you If you did do this at one point in your life This is your future so, I just want to get practical, and we're just going to continue going along in Paul's line of thinking, but how do you do this? What actually do you need to do so that God can go to work in your life and help you become this new person he wants you to be? Well, let's just go ahead and read this. This is in verse 21. Uh, this is in how you learned about Christ, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Uh, now, verse 22, here's what you do. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Then, verse twenty-four, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. This is how you get a before and after story. I think of it like an Oreo. Anybody like Oreos besides not Hydrox? You ever hate that when mom comes home with generic cookies? This isn't what I asked for. We have. I'll chip in if we need. (laughs) Three things. You've got the thing that Paul says, there's some parts of your life that just need to go away. That trash can has been sitting here for a week. It needs to put off the old things of your old life that don't belong there anymore. Then there's some new things you need to put on. And in the middle, just like in an Oreo, the good stuff is the Holy Spirit at work in your life, renewing your thoughts and your attitudes. Let's just break this down because I feel like this is something that could be a breakthrough for some of us if we just really think about, practically speaking, how does God change my life? Well, the first thing, we're just gonna talk about what does it look like to put off the old and put on the new? Recently, I was watching on YouTube an FBI behavioral specialist. His name's Joe Navarro, really smart guy. He was talking about and remembering a time when he first went to the FBI and he went to the academy and they were in gun training. And he said he walked in there having come from law enforcement, so he thought, I've got this. I already know this. This is going to be a piece of cake. There were five other guys who were ex-military. They're all looking at you like, we don't need this class. The instructors walk in and say, how many of you have previous gun training and experience? And all of them, they raise their hand. And it goes like, we need to pull you guys aside. How many of you have no experience? So they just went on with the class. The guys who had previous gun experience, the instructors came in and said, we have no idea what garbage you guys have been taught. We don't know how many bad habits you've picked up. We need to unlearn all those things you've thought you knew and start from scratch. And we want to start right at the basics. How do you put your hand on your weapon? How do you clear your jacket? Remember, they're FBI. How do you pull the weapon? And we're going to do that over and over and over slowly so that you rewire the synapses in your brain so the response you used to have that wasn't really necessarily the best way is replaced by the new, better way. You're putting off the old and you're embracing the new. The irony was the people who went into that training course who had no gun experience at all, they were done just like that because they just got to learn the right way up front. You and I in life, we've been taught some things. Some of them were good, some of them weren't, and God has a process to help us unlearn, on a physiological level, just to to rewire our brains so that our responses to some situations isn't sin anymore. We're going to put off the old habits. I lost my temper, and I said things I shouldn't. I'm going to put on a new response to that and you just think of all the things in your life that need to change and that's what happens you go through it I like what Joe said he said um, you know get this here it says there's something kind of humbling when uh, well-meaning people have come into your life and they know some things about things you're doing maybe you're playing piano or you're playing tennis and these people mean well and they know a little bit more than you so they tell you hey you should do this or you should do that But what they don't know is what they don't know and they've just passed on to you something that's not necessarily the best way to do it and then you come across somebody who really actually does know how to play tennis or play piano and they go why are you doing this well somebody older than me told me I should do that like no we don't do that here's what you actually need to do there's something humbling about admitting the way I've always been taught the way I always thought I should the way my family always does the way that we treat people okay maybe that wasn't so good Maybe I do need to go to the Father And learn a new way Maybe it's even humbling to say Mom, Dad, I love you But everything you passed on to me Wasn't good This is maybe a family thing That I'm going to be the person Who's going to change it And we're going to do things differently It's not that I disrespect my family It's not that I disrespect the people Who raised me or whatever It's just sometimes there are things That when you compare it To the wisdom of God's word You go This just doesn't reconcile This needs to change And uh, that's just what you have A whole lifetime in front of you And God is such a patient teacher But there's a lifetime of figuring out What needs to go away What do I need to embrace And I can remember a couple of times specifically And I won't share them because I. But I can think of times when Somebody I deeply respected Would do something in a way that I thought If anybody else did it this way I would think it was wrong But I really respect this person So it must be okay and I actually had a friend confront me one time. I, I said, "Like I think, I think it's okay because they do it, but otherwise, if..." And my friend just said, "Have you ever thought that maybe they're just wrong?" And as dumb as that sounds, I had never really considered that they were wrong because I was really respected this person. There are times where, as you just open yourself up to God, He's going to show you some things, whether it be through the Word or through prayer or through another trusted friend, where you just have to come to terms with. For my whole life, I've thought this, but it does need to go. It needs to change. And Paul is really very, very helpful here because he just gets very specific. I'm going to go very quickly but if you've got a Bible you can follow along with me. From this point forward he just gives some examples of you got this old thing you need to get rid of it you need to embrace this new thing. Let's just go ahead and I'll just read through them very quickly. Like verse 25 uh, stop telling lies. If you've been a person who's just been accustomed to getting your way or to getting out of bad situations by lying stop doing that. Tell your neighbors the truth we're part of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. If you've been a person who in your anger you've sinned no, here's what you do now. Uh, you don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Verse 28, if you are a thief, if you've been accustomed to getting ahead by taking things that aren't yours, stop. Quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and give to generously to others in need. Uh, then he goes, don't use foul language, but be encouraging. Get rid of bitterness and rage and anger and slander be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving down in chapter 5 let there be no sexual immorality or impurity or greed uh, or obscene stories or foolish talk or coarse jokes instead there should be gratitude do you see what he's doing here there's the old you gotta get rid of it there's the new you need to embrace it excuse me and so this is possible and this is actually where this sermon is not really a try harder sermon because the middle of the Oreo does exist While you're trying to get rid of things and embrace things, the Holy Spirit of God is helping you, renewing your thoughts and minds. And he's a good teacher. He's very patient. The Holy Spirit actually reminds me of a a video I just saw recently. This is so cute. It's a dad teaching his little puppy how to go downstairs for the first time. I don't know if you've seen this or not. You need to see this. This is the best thing you'll see all day. Watch this. Watch this. Oh, you made it. First time down. You made it. Isn't that cool? And I want you to realize who you are in that. You are the little golden retriever puppy. God thinks that you are so cute. He does. <laughs> and he loves you very much. And the Holy Spirit of God is a very real thing. And the Bible tells us that when you accept Jesus as Lord, like Peter said at the very first day anybody became a Christian. He said, if you repent of your sins, commit your life to Jesus, uh, you'll find forgiveness of sins. If you're baptized into him, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's for everybody. It was for people listening to Peter preach that sermon that day, and it was for people far off, which includes us. The Holy Spirit will come into your life and help you do things that you can't do on your own. It's actually a verse, and I'm going to actually skip backwards, Christina. This is Ephesians chapter 5, and it says... In verse 6, Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. Don't participate in the things that other people do. For once, you were full of darkness, but now that you know Jesus, you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true, and this is what God wants to do for you, and He will patiently teach you. And I don't know how this message hits you this morning. Maybe for you... You kind of go, I just don't know what this guy's talking about. And that's fine. Bless you that you've made it to the end of the message without leaving. You know, But maybe you are kind of a little bit in the dark, and you're kind of what Paul's talking about. You're still in the Gentile era of life. If you'll just keep coming and listening, I promise you that this will make more sense if you'll just open your heart to God. Maybe for you, this just hits you with a whole lot of discouragement because you feel like, I just don't think it's working for me. I'm not changing. I guarantee you are. You just don't see it. Maybe one of the better things that you could do is start journaling your experiences as you read the Bible and pray because I guarantee if you read it a month or a year from now, you're going to go, oh my gosh, I forgot that I was so upset about that. I forgot that I was struggling with that. And you will see progress. The Lord is changing you. He promises and he's good at it. For some of you, you just might feel a whole lot of guilt and you're feeling like, man, I just should have lived my life better than the one that I've actually lived and this is where God will help you edit and he can make the changes in your life that you can't make on your own and you just trust him and he will do it it really comes down to if you're just willing to learn to live and to walk as the Lord teaches you and it all starts when the Holy Spirit starts to change the way you think and has the light revealing things that you never would have seen on your own I'm going to pray for you now And when I pray, it's always an invitation for you. You can just hear what I'm saying, but it's also an opportunity for you just to simply open a conversation yourself with the Lord and ask Him to start changing some things within you or to show you things you would never have seen on your own. So let me pray and you just have a conversation with the Lord as well. Father, thank you for how much you love us. And uh, you're committed to fixing things and you're not just content to forgive us and then send us on our way. You actually want us to be in your family and you teach us how to be your children and how to grow up. And I'm thankful that you trust us that much and love us that much will you continue to change us and help us grow will you help us as we just know how patient you are will you help us to be humble enough to admit that we have blind spots will you help us to be gentle with each other as we know that we all need to change and just teach us to accept each other like you accept us will you help us to be united to be firmly convinced that we stand together in you because of you and not let the devil divide us will you give us the grace that we need every day and I know you do and I'm thankful for that in Jesus' name.